Welcome to the Commercial Disco, the journey of commercial discovery, the only show dedicated to the great stories and people driving Australia's unique innovation and tech landscape. Today we're talking to David Fricker, the Director General of the National Archives of Australia. Welcome, David. Hello, James. Good to be with you. You're actually an unusual subject for us. We're normally talking to companies who are out there commercialising things, but I think National Archives has a literally a national treasure, a kind of a, a map or a record of who we are as a people and, and what we've done. I just thought it's such an incredible store of information that we would have that chat. You're releasing a report, Building Trust in the Public Record, Managing Information and Data for Government and Community. You've been doing that for several years. What's the importance of that report? Well, this policy is, well, it's very important. And then it's all in the title there, Building Trust in the Public Record. In your intro, you absolutely correctly said the National Archives, we, we are the memory of Australia in many ways. So while our other memory institutions around Australia will hold, you know, published works, published book, accumulated knowledge, or uh, in museums and galleries, we have wonderful artefacts which represent the achievements or the deeds, deeds of, uh, of Australian humanity. At the archives, what we're doing is preserving records as evidence of what has actually been done. So, you know, records, as we all know, and just a part and parcel of everyday business activity, you make a record of what you've done. It's not written with the future necessarily in mind, or it's not written knowing what the future will bring. It's written in the moment. It's a contemporaneous record of what's been going on. So we keep those records as evidence. And it's very important to, to remember the National Archives, yes, we are the memory of Australia. We enable people to look back at our past to reobserve for themselves with some neutrality what actually happened, make up our own minds, what we make of it all, write, rewrite, and rewrite again our history. And what we do in keeping the government records is we maintain those records for a few reasons. One is to ensure that Australians can hold their democratically elected government to account. And through that, we have transparency of government. Because of that, we can expect to maintain some integrity in our government. And also we do it because people rely on these records to uphold their rights and entitlements. So if, if someone needs to make a claim for Australian citizenship or perhaps to get a pension or some sort of entitlement, or they would like to know property you know, entitlements or land title claims, all of that requires evidence. And so the records in our archive really do protect the rights entitlements of Australians. And through shining a light on the workings of government, uh, we really are a principal defender of our, of our democracy. And all of that, this is a very long answer, I know, but all of that comes back to trust. What do we need in the 21st century? Citizens of a democracy need to be able to trust their democratic institutions. And so we're pitching this policy very deliberately in that way, building trust in the public record, because our work in capturing, preserving, keeping accessible records of government is really, in the end, it's just about you and me and our families and everybody else in Australia being able to trust our government. And when we go to the ballot box, we can exercise our democratic rights uh, fully informed and with a good eye on our past and a good eye on our future. All right. There's uh, quite a lot to unpack, I think, in that answer. I want to start 
with cybersecurity? Well, yep. I mean, there's a lot, lot of areas that we're going to dive into, but I want to get this one out of the way because I would think if you really wanted to hurt Australia, you might send a torpedo into the National Archives and fundamentally destroy the records of who we are and how we came to be. All right, now, obviously, we don't hold everything in paper records these days. Uh, there's a lot of uh, complexity around the electronics. So I just want to ask, how do you build fortress archives? Well, the business of government, for the past several decades, in fact, the business of government has been conducted mainly by the digital channels using digital technology. You know, unfortunately, our world is ruled by email these days, and now we're also conducting a lot of government activity on non-government platforms, you know, on uh, privately operated networks like messaging services, uh, blogs, etc. And so it is, it's very critical that we have this cyber resilience around the memory of Australia in digital form, held as digital records. And, you know, I, I really agree with your opening remarks there in that question. If a hostile actor wants to really demolish its enemy, it also erases the memory. You know, it gets, it wipes out, tries to wipe out cultural memory and the, the memory of uh, individuals in that country. And we see this as a deliberate tactic of terrorist organisations. They do seek to destroy the cultural heritage of, of a society that they're trying to overcome. And we see it in history across the world. If there's a revolution, you know, they'll want to get in there and they'll want to uh, either the, the losing party will try and destroy their records as quickly as possible so that there's some sort of impunity, you know, they can, they can deny their past, or the, the victors want to destroy the records of the previous regime so that they can exercise dominance over the nation that they're conquering. And it's a real thing, you know, it's absolutely right. And if, um, you know, everything we value in Australia, the rule of law, our democracy, our freedoms, our rights, are all underpinned by records, evidence, you know, that can prove we have those rights. And so in the National Archives, it's a very big challenge for us as we accumulate more and more petabytes of government data. And don't forget, we aggregate that information. So I'm conscious, very, very conscious of the fact that as we aggregate more of the records of government, even the non-sensitive records in a high volume of aggregation becomes a very ripe plum. You know, it's a very attractive target for a hostile actor wanting to launch a cyber attack, either to destroy the information to exfiltrate the information, or indeed as an act of information warfare to manipulate the information, to plant falsehoods, to pervert the course of public opinion in Australia, and to deny our right to have a free, informed public discourse in democracy. So it's a, it's a huge element. And what, what we do is, along with the rest, we are a Commonwealth government executive agency. So we comply with the, the advice and the standards of the ACSC. We also come under the protective security policy of the exercise by the Attorney General's Department. So we, we are very much within that um, cyber secure regime uh, of Commonwealth government. But we have particular issues in that we also aggregate other agencies' data into our holdings. So, yeah, we could talk about this for many, many hours, James, but it's a vitally important aspect of what we do. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure it must be completely terrifying. I don't know how you sleep at night. There's a great deal of responsibility there. But okay, let's move on to, you know, what we consider public records. And I find this completely fascinating. You said in this report that archives acts as a, you know, it's foundational to the digital transformation agenda. It's, it's foundational or it underpins social, scientific, medical, agricultural, you know, research projects. There's a whole line of things that 
archives would underpin by providing that evidence. So this is a little bit long-winded, but you've also said that it helps to improve government service delivery. Now, when we talk about archives against decisions made in the context of delivering a service, quite often we're talking these days about algorithms performing a decision. I mean, you can see the end result decision, but you don't necessarily see how that decision was come by. How does archives approach an issue like that? Yeah, this is a really live issue for us as well. And right now we are developing our or updating our policies on keeping algorithms. Because you're absolutely right. You know, the age of big data is well and truly upon us. You know, we hardly ever talk about big data anymore. We take it for granted that we have large volumes of data. So now, of course, our conversation has switched to AI because it is the large-scale automation, that artificial intelligence, which is feeding on that data that's been accumulated. And it's absolutely right. It's the automation now, which is evaluating information, making judgments and producing decisions that affect the lives of Australian citizens and residents. So we are looking very carefully at what our policies are about the preservation of not only records of decisions and outcomes and activity, but also preserving those algorithms. Now that brings with it a whole area of digital preservation. How do you preserve an executable object, you know, a complex digital object? Because the preservation of that requires technology. And to play that back 50 years from now, if you want to you know, replay any of those AI algorithms today, you'll need an ecosystem and I, you know, it's an operating environment within which to run that, that algorithm because it won't be compatible with the technology of 20 years in the future. So that, that's our role. That's one of the complexities of digital preservation is that it's not about freezing an object in time. You have to carry the object forward in time. You know, we're always carrying memory forward. We're never really you know, taking people back in time, we're taking the past into the future. And it's a fascinating area of IT research and of information sciences, is how you keep digital memory accessible, discoverable, and understandable, and compatible with future technology. So it's, uh, I know it's a, it's a long question, but it deserves a long answer, James, because it is uh, preservation of algorithms in the age of AI is going to be vitally important if Australians in the future want to develop a good understanding of what government policy was, how it was implemented, how my particular rights and entitlements were determined. It's, it's again, interesting, but we're right in the middle of it. I wish I had a, a firm answer for you, but it's, it's a hot discussion for us right now. Uh, yeah, I have no doubt. Look, I was reading this morning about a digital cliff that Archives is heading towards. Uh, I think it's in relation to video reams and reams, petabytes, I think, of video and sound that needs to be put in a place where it will be accessible in future. So my understanding from the article that I've read this morning is that there is a, a resourcing issue here, although the resources needed aren't vastly substantial, but it is money. But that's almost a simple and arcane problem, technically, compared to the one you might be facing with the algorithms? Look, it is. In, in terms of the simplicity of it, it, it's... I mean, the issue, first of all, just for your listeners, is that a lot of the 20th century was recorded on magnetic tape, audiovisual recordings, audio recordings, audiovisual recordings. And we all know it, VHS cassettes, you know, Betamax, one-inch videotape, two-inch videotape, etc. Even Even digital uh, audio, you know, digital videotape. But all of those tape formats are now obsolete. And it, it's, it's hard to, you know, just remember how quickly technology moves. Every one of those technologies is now obsolete. 
So we have hundreds of thousands of hours of memory of Australia kept on magnetic tape, which is only readable by machines which are no longer sold. And, you know, the engineers and the mechanics that can maintain those machines are very quickly leaving the workforce. Dare I say it, even shuffling off their mortal coil. I mean, this is old technology here. And when that happens, we will maybe keep that magnetic tape in a low temperature vault, but it won't do us any good because we won't be able to play it back. And the machine, you know, the readers, the tape players that we have, have got a finite life. Every magnetic head manufactured last century has only got a finite number of hours of playback in it. So this is the issue. And we, as a worldwide opinion now, international consensus, that if you haven't digitised records by the year 2025, then there's a very good chance, that almost certainty, that we are now going to see uh, material permanently, irretrievably lost. And it's important because, you know, we are talking about a lot of material that has already been broadcast, you know, famous speeches by, you know, Prime Minister Keating's Redfern speech, uh, uh, Menzies, you know, speeches, etc., and we need to keep those to revisit them. But in a way, they have been broadcast, and at least Australians, you know, there's some memory of those. But we have stuff on tape that's never been seen. You know, we've got ASIO surveillance tape. We've got scientific recordings of atomic testing, rocket launches, these sorts of things. We've got footage of Australian landscape showing the watercourses and the vegetation, which is so important for climate change and now understanding climate change. And that stuff has not been published before. And it hasn't been properly studied before. And when that disappears, it will be a serious impoverishment to the memory and the resources of Australia. So that's the pressing, that's the urgency we have. It's, so it's very simple. You're quite right. It's not a complex thing to do. But what makes it urgent is the technology to do it will disappear, you know, within the next decade. Uh, we'll be relying on very unreliable secondhand gear that we've cannibalised or put together. But that won't be sufficient to get through the volume of material we have. If we can't act now, while we still have those capabilities around Australia and around the world, we'll lose them. And, and so you're right, you know, it is a resourcing issue. But the government two years ago did commission a report recognising this issue. And so uh, a, an independent review was undertaken of our situation, did make recommendations. And those recommendations are now with government. And I'm in discussion, of course, with my minister about those recommendations, just to see, see what can be done. Well, look, I mean, it would be a crime if some of that stuff was lost to history. We don't know what it would be used for in future. But, uh, you know, historians have a way of turning up and making good use of these things. Can I ask this report, the Building Trust in Public Record report, the audience for that are the other departments and agencies. Am I right in saying that? That's right. So the law, the Archives Act, is a piece of law that, that makes it a criminal offence to destroy Commonwealth record, you know, a record of the Commonwealth government. So everybody, certainly in the Australian public service, the federal public service, is bound by that law. And if we contract, you know, contractors who are doing government business on the government's coin are also bound by that law as well. So this policy is to make sure that all of those public servants and the contractors are not only aware of their obligations under the Archives Act, but also have got some solutions in front of them. So we've made it as easy as we possibly can to ensure that everybody can comply with their lawful obligations while building efficiency and effectiveness across government. Okay, I guess my next question is, do you get pushback from those departments and agencies? I know they have the obligation, but as the complexity in these things like you know algorithmic decision-making comes along, do you get pushback in the way that they have to retain their archives? You know, it's, it's sort of, it's not, 
it's not pushback, but there's a, a certain complacency that drifts into a workforce when technology is making our lives so much easier and so much more convenient. We all have personal devices, we have mobile computers, we have non-government computer platforms that we use, we have Commonwealth platforms that we use. We're always procuring more and more IT software products. And what happens is all of those capabilities come into play and it just makes our job, it never gets more simple, it's always complicated, but it makes our job that much more productive and effective. And there's this complacency that thinks, right, this information's in the computer somewhere, I can't lose it. You know, you can never lose information once it's on a computer system. And so there's a sort of a complacency that record keeping is no longer a deliberate action. It's no longer a, a front of mind responsibility for public servants because the computers will do it for us. And so I don't think any public servant would deny that they have obligations to maintain some sort of evidence of what they've done. That's either for the people working downstream, uh, for the general public, and indeed, you know, for history to review it. But we tend to sort of take for granted that those that information will be maintained in some sort of useful, authentic format. And it simply isn't the case. You know, digital information is very fragile. It can be lost. It can be left in personal devices, left in shared drives, left in our email inboxes. And over time, it becomes lost. It becomes disorganized. You mentioned cybersecurity earlier. You know, it's like the pocket litter of uh, the public service, this data lying around. It is such an easy target for cyber threats. So for all of these reasons, we need to say, no, information is a vital asset. You know, data is king these days. Information needs to be managed in the same way we manage money, in the same way we manage property, in the same way we manage our human resources. We've got to think that seriously about information. You wouldn't leave little piles of cash lying around in the office thinking, I'll get back to that later on or whatever. You know, you know where the money is, you know who it belongs to, you know where it came from, you know how much money you owe. These simple governance principles have got to be introduced to our information assets and, and we've got to manage information for the long term because, you know, information that we're creating today will be called upon 20, 30, 40 years from now to make decisions. And, you know, we, we see evidence of that all around us every day. All right. Now, you've been running these annual information surveys since 2011. So you're, uh, what is it, 10, 11th year now, I guess. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some longitudinal data. Is performance in the management of that information getting better, easier? Yeah, look, it is. It is getting better, certainly getting easier. But I'm pleased to report uh, that it is getting better through the, through the work that we do. And, but there's still work to be done. You know? So what, what we're pleased to see is that across the Commonwealth government, there's a much higher commitment now to doing digital by default. So all government processes are running on digital data and running on digital processes. Because for a while there, we would have a, a business activity would start in digital form. An email would kick something off. That would be you know, passed around the office, et cetera. But then somebody has to approve it. So what do we do? We print it out. You know, so that because we're very important when we approve documents, we have to get out a pen and we have to, you know, put our signature on a piece of paper. And we would tell ourselves that's a legal requirement. You know, it won't be evidence unless you have a wedding signature, et cetera. And so that breaks the chain of evidence because now you've, you've got this sheet of paper somewhere with a signature on it. And then it goes back to digital and, you know, off it goes. And so our record of that sequence of events is broken, you know, with evidence. Data is evidence and it has to obey the rules of evidence. So we've seen an improvement there, digital by default. We've seen improvements in terms of the, uh, the systems, information management systems have been generally improved. 
across the uh, Commonwealth. Where we are lacking still is interoperability. So it's still too often we create information assets which are not interoperable with other contemporary information assets. We can't smash information together around policy hubs or, or to um, exchange data. I mean, we find ways to do it, but it's still not, the data is not interoperable, you know, we, we, it's hard work. And the other interoperability is interoperable with the future. We're not creating data and keeping it such that it is interoperable with five years from now, 10 years from now, etc. And so we, we always talk about interoperability across space, across all the ministries of the government, uh, but across time as well. It has to be across space and across time. And that's a bit of a concept that archivists think about all the time. We're always thinking about the future. But a lot of public servants today are under the gun. You know, we've got urgent tasks in front of us, tight deadlines, and we've got a bit of a short-term mentality sometimes. It's a bit transactional. You know, we think this business we're doing finishes when this transaction is finished. But the business of government never stops. And everything we do as public servants has a legacy, which is the knowledge we are creating for the future government of the future Australia. And so that, that's the area with this building trust in the public record. We are now coming back to these areas of saying, look, systems have to be fit for purpose, but that means information has to be properly managed for now and for the future and for the community. It has to be interoperable. So that's our, that's our next front that we're, um, we're fighting on. Well, I think you've uh, described a very common problem, haven't you, in uh, this is the, the nature, the perennial nature of, of technology. Talking to David Fricker, the Director General of National Archives, we'll start winding up in just a moment, but there's a couple of things that you've talked about that pique interest. Obviously, it's a highly technical area that you work in. You know, as soon as we start talking about algorithms, yes, but there's, you know, any manner of technology that you guys cover. Where do you get your skills? I mean, at a time when skills are hard to come by in this space, you're competing with everyone else. How do you go with that? Yeah, it's true. It is a, um, it is a challenge recruiting. I think it's a challenge for many of us in the, uh, in the public sector to recruit, you know, to, to gain train and retain the staff that we need with the skill sets we need. It's hard, you know, to recruit and maintain IT skills, certainly hard around the cyber security that we're talking about before. This is a highly contested or competitive, I should say, sector in the workforce at the moment. It's also around information sciences and data analytics. You know, as we aggregate more and more data, we're moving way beyond the traditional ways in the analogue world we would have ways of describing archives in a very hierarchical sense. Uh, but now, as we, we apply more contemporary information sciences to it, all of our information, the relationships between the records that we hold, is very much a network of relationships. The old concepts of provenance and, you know, the originator of a record, it's not so clear in the modern government of Australia. And also around the legal, you know, the legislative areas as well, because as we collect information, we're collecting information which might have some copyright issues around it. It has personal, deeply personal information that has privacy issues connected with it. It has public accountability associated with it. It has national security sensitivities associated with it. So those complexities about the management information and the, if you like, the rights management, sensitivity handling are also very complex. And now, of course, we're also dealing with Indigenous Australia, you know, as we reconsider the way we manage the records that have been kept about First Nations Australians. There are other cultural values that we have to take on board and properly accommodate that in the way that we, you know, who we consider owns these records, who has the moral authority over the records, how do we judge access, et cetera. So there's a, a whole raft of uh, complexities that we have. So certainly IT is a big one, 
But in that bigger field of information sciences, and if you like the, uh, the legislative aspects around information management, there are also a whole host of complexities that we deal with. And finally, I know we're running out of time, but the final one is how do we make this stuff accessible to the public? Because we haven't talked about that much in, in our chat today, Jones, but the only reason we preserve information is to make sure that it can be seen by the public. Now that, you know, how do you dish out so many, I can't even count them in, in petabytes or anything else, uh, information, to dish that out to the Australian public in the way it can be discovered, the way it can be understood, and most importantly, the way it can be enjoyed by the Australian public. So these are our complexities, and you're dead right. You know, I think maintaining a workforce on all those fronts, we're in a pretty competitive environment. All right. I wanted to ask you about resourcing. Forgive me if it seems like I'm giving you enough rope to hang yourself, but there are contentious areas around things like productivity dividends. Oh, efficiency dividends. Efficiency di dividends, sorry. And I think over the years, your staffing numbers have reduced significantly. So, you know, as we, we've described, the job has become more complex, but also, as you've just mentioned, it takes bodies to handle the information that's been requested and deliver it to end users. Now, look, it is true. Over since um, over the past five or six years, you know, budget measures and efficiency dividends have, have reduced our resourcing around sort of 10% of our budget, which is about 50 or so staff have had to have uh, taken uh, redundancies and our operating budget is, has been reduced. And while that's been happening, of course, the volume of government activity and the volume of information being created, the records that need to be kept, of course, has been growing. And our fixed costs, you know, we operate 13 properties around Australia. We're in every state and territory capital. And our property and operating expenses are also going up. You know, there's nothing coming down. So all of our efficiency dividends have had to have been uh, absorbed by staff cuts, essentially. But look, the government did recognise this. So a couple of years back, the Attorney General, after our representation, said, OK, I can see there's a whole complex range of issues you're facing. But is there, you know, before you just get a big handout of money, are there ways and means you can reduce the cost of what you do or find um, efficiencies? So we did have an independent review, a thorough comprehensive review done by David Chun, a former, many listeners will know David Chun, a former Secretary of the Department of Finance, quite an expert at the way, you know, government budgets work and an expert at um, how efficiencies and effectiveness should be measured. Anyway, David's recommendations were that, well, we are doing the right things. You know, we are performing an important role. And there are some urgent requirements that we face. He made 20 recommendations to address those. And I'm now in discussion with my minister, with the government, on which of those recommendations we can take forward to address these urgencies. So that's publicly available. The tune, if you do go searching on our website, look for the, the tune review. You know, that's that's all there in the report. But we have, you know, we've got large-scale issues confronting us quite urgent that we need to meet over the next few years. And so I'm looking forward to those, you know, the, the work that we are doing uh, within government to have those recommendations addressed. Very good. David Fricker, Director General of the National Archives of Australia. We've got a budget coming up in the next couple of weeks, so you never know what uh, might come out of that. But thank you very much for joining us on the Commercial Disco. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Commercial Disco podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And please go over to our website, innovationoz.com, to check out our recent stories on tech, innovation, and public policy. Or you can follow us on social media to ask us any questions or be a guest on the show. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you a great week ahead.